This is the Leadership and Insurance Podcast, brought to you by FinPro Search Partners. Insurance companies are businesses and they need to look for the long term and be sustainable. We went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred. Insurance as, as a concept, as a kind of service, is brilliant. The execution is what we're looking at now. I think the companies that are going to succeed are the ones that are going to understand and master the art of intent. When we talk about innovation, we lean too heavily to think about technology and we don't think about creating a culture of innovation. I think innovation is essentially continuous improvement of existing processes and platforms and product, right? It's got to be easy. It's got to be seamless. Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bonds, uh, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by my friend Cyrus, who is CEO of Coverforce. Cyrus, how are you, sir? Are you well? I'm well. I'm enjoying myself in snowy New York. It's snowy New York. I know we were just joking that I look like I've got some sort of fake um, sunbed light going on at the moment, but um, I'm, I'm on my flat in the um, it's not it's not snowy, but it's very cold London. Um, it was minus six yesterday, so we're uh, yeah we're experiencing it. And 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 thank you for joining us because you you you're in your third time zone in a week, aren't you? You've been traveling quite a lot. Yes, it's it's um it's it seems to be wedding season everywhere, and uh, I, I managed to pull myself away to go to a wedding in India and then a wedding in Australia, which is where I grew up, and I, I found myself back within in a very short period back to New York earlier this week. So. Well, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll try and be gentle with you because uh, yeah, that, I know I know what that's like. Um, so, um, look, Cyrus, before we dive in, for the people that aren't aren't aware out there that are listening in, it'd be great if you could introduce the Cover Force business and what it is exactly that you do. Sure. So, you know, Cover Force was started back in 2020 uh, out of the University of Pennsylvania's Warden Innovation Fund with the clear mission that we wanted to help build a true market standard for how insurance agents and brokers and carriers interact. And by that, what I meant is we wanted to build the foundation layer that really connects the two parties, but we wanted to do it as an independent player in the industry. So we're not an agency, we're not a broker. And what we seek to do is is connect with the carriers, do deep integrations with them for their um, quoting, payment, binding, issuance, API capabilities, and present a toolkit of options for the appointed groups of the market, whether it's wholesalers, brokers, networks, to easily connect to the carriers. So I think a really good analogy I use when, I, when I'm talking to people is, you know, if you think of uh, Skyscanner or Kayak or any of those comparison websites in the market, or even if you think of situations in the UK, like, uh, you know, Tesco, which sells financial services products. Um, really, all of those, you know, all the flight and booking companies use either Galileo or Armadeus for flighting and hotels, um, because it's that company that's really gone across and connected with all the hundreds or thousands of hotels across the across the country. Uh, Coverforce fulfills a similar uh, need in the market, which is you've got carriers that have developed uh, very disparate APIs. It takes a lot of effort from engineering capacity, both from the carrier side as well as from the agents and broker side in order to connect with carriers. So we provide that middle layer saying, we will, you know, why don't we will help deliver a market best practice standard for an API integration across multiple carriers. We'll do it in a unified format and we'll make it such that you yourself as a, as a bank or as an agency or any kind of distribution channel for insurance knows that it can connect with an insurance company 
at a low cost and with low engineering effort. Awesome. Awesome. It's the, uh, I think the independence thing is the, is the thing that struck me. I mean, you and I obviously met in, in New York and we, and we kind of talked about that and, and people have tried to do this, but they, they've been tied relationships. Do you think that's why something like this hasn't, there's there's not a dominant player that I would say in this space. There's lots of people that have tried to do it. What, why do you think that's been slow to take off, which is quite clearly a very obvious need? I, I mean, it's funny, you know, I think you coming from the UK or even uh, myself having lived in a few other countries, I think a lot of people, even in America, have said to me once I've told them what we're doing, they say, oh, wow, I, I'm surprised this doesn't exist. And I mm -hmm. think the way the way I think about it is, uh, or at least I've isolated a few reasons why potentially we've been able to obtain success is I think one, we've got a team that combines uh, insurance expertise with engineering expertise. So our co-founder, Baram, used to be the head of small middle market centers of travelers. Uh, he's actually the current president of Farmers right now, uh, the insurance company. Our um, CTO, Kaivan, was a former engineering manager at Amazon uh, business side. Uh, and he helped uh, actually build up their ad localization business. And then our team included uh, people who are very senior in the insurance industry, like Bill uh, Bloom, who used to be the head of operations and technology at Hartford, uh, one of the leading carriers, Patrick McKinney, who used to be the head of enterprise distribution at Travelers. So he's used to seeing different kinds of models where insurance is distributed both through um, legacy channels as well as through alternative channels. And then you've got people from Google, Amazon, Microsoft, who joined our company because they're really engaged with that mission of becoming, you know, the Plaid for insurance. Uh, not to mention even one of our investors is actually the co-founder of Plaid. Uh, I'd say, you know, there's a team, there's definitely the sense that we are independent and that gives carriers a strong sense of trust in us. Uh, they definitely want to know that when they are integrating with us, that they, that we aren't, you know, bogged down by self-interest or even legacy technology that really stops us from being nimble. And uh, they very much want to know that ultimately when it comes to who we work with, that we will provide control to the carrier to let them know that we will work with partners that they want to work with and not just give out their API access to everyone and anyone. Um, and alongside that, I think one of the things we've managed to do is partnering with some of the largest groups in the market, including the ISU network, which is the second largest group of insurance agents in America. Uh, they represent uh, you know, around $8 billion plus in market premiums. Uh, having customers like ISU has really helped us to attract the top tier carriers. And I think in the past, when companies have tried to do an API, one, they haven't been typically independent or they've very quickly been taken private or they've not been able to attract the top tier legacy carriers who essentially control a lot of the market volumes. So companies like Travelers, Nationwide, Liberty, Chubb are very strong customers of ours, Great American is, is, is that one of the concerns? And I think, you know, you've got a background in, in investment banking and, 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 and I think that's quite an interesting thing to sort of bring into this conversation. It, it strikes me as being really important to have the right investors for you because one of the most obvious things you can happen is once you get a certain amount of deal flow through your platform, the most obvious thing in the world to me is 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 a is is a big incumbent insurance entity comes and tries to buy the business, like because if you get enough flow, there's enough business there that that could make sense. So does that mean that you have to get those right investors that have that much longer term, much 
big hairy audacious goal like to be the plumbing like and, and maybe talk me through that journey to get those right investors yeah i think uh i, I you know it's, you're 100 percent correct on that i think the dynamics in our company are such where we we're very clear from the onset what we wanted to be you know a company that truly was trusted by carriers trusted by agents and didn't step on anyone's toes I think having that clear vision from the onset that we wanted to be an independent player for the market. Um, and we also want to build custom solutions for enterprise level. I think that's another kind of thing that sets us apart is the groups we work with tend to be large enterprises. And when we uh, work with a group and we work with um, dozens now of different uh, networks, wholesalers, brokerages across the country, many of the top 100 actually, uh, we're very clear from the onset that we will not uh, participate in the actual transaction of insurance on their behalf. We are there to provide best practices in uh, insurance engineering. And I think when it comes to the investors, they have a strong belief in our mission. They understand the value of being a trusted partner in the value chain. Uh, so I think you're right. It, it, a strong investor base is very important. You know, having strong advisors who, you know, have spent, you know, 20, 30 years in the industry and I've seen so many customers approach them asking for something like Coverforce's API or a product suite. You know, that has kind of given us assurance that it's there's a need there. And also that there's, you know, a value for staying independent in many ways. How do you create a defensive moat around a product like this? Um, because, you know, there's an argument to say, and I'm sure the tech is a moat in itself, but, you know, what's to stop a big big broker for example and i know they lack the independence but arguably they 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 have a certain amount of deal flow themselves that could get them off the ground how have you thought about that from a strategic standpoint of kind of like putting defensive kind of moat around it you know i would i would say that and i think um shout out to all the engineers who are potentially listening to this <laughs> you know i myself am not fortunate to have been an engineer but i tried my best to pick up as much as i can uh i definitely go into jira and start writing tickets and uh but I would say that technology is a big part of it. I think people yeah. uh, view technology as something that anyone can build. And I think um, when you bring the, some of the best minds from the engineering industry into the insurance industry, uh, you do get a lot of you know, great uniformity and a lot of great kind of ways of building a very scalable platform. Uh, from what I've seen in the industry, the thing about Coverforce is it, it's funny, it, I, I, it works. And I think that's what people want ultimately when they're, integrating with a company or working with an engineering firm is they want to know that the technology will work. And, you know, I think many times we've engaged with carriers and they've taught us horror stories about um, a few of the largest uh, groups who've attempted to build it themselves. And, you know, it's, it's two, three years later and, you know, they're still integrating with the same uh, bot product of one of the leading carriers two years later. I'm thinking of one of the large brokers right now, actually, which um, the carrier told me about. And ultimately, it's just a waste of resources for them. It's it's also mm -hmm. the fact that when you are building it for your own needs, you're very much building it for one use case. Well, at Coverforce, we think of multiple use cases. And that's actually why we've ended up getting strategic relationships with multiple carriers where, you know, in multiple cases, they've actually adopted us as the distribution channel where they didn't have a dig digital distribution channel uh, previously. So I would say... That is kind of a core thing is one of which is technology. Secondly, is making sure your platform is usable for multiple use cases. But then, you know, as you can imagine, at the end of the day, if if um, a company is building this themselves for their own group, they're very apprehensive about ever giving it out to anyone else. Um, also, if they themselves have a self-interest threat by being a broker or an agent, 
they themselves will not want to sometimes enable anyone else to be digital. So, you know, I think that dynamic is there at play. The carries recognize that dynamic. So when a player like us comes along and says, we want to just be, you know, a market leading best practice standard that helps everyone. They love that. They love that because, you know, it realistically you'd be surprised. Most carries do not have more than three to five engineers that are building, maintaining and deploying these APIs. So they don't have, in many cases, even the largest legacy carries do not have the bandwidth to support, you know, even a dozen or, you know, or any, even sometimes more than three or four integrations in a year, especially ones that are bindable. And I think because we have that unique proposition, because we come with a lot of market share and market power, we've essentially said very clearly that from the onset, we will integrate, but we will integrate in a way that's end to end. So we integrate not just with indicative quoting, which is what a lot of people had had um, to date, but we integrate with the bindable capabilities of most carriers, oh, sorry, of every carrier we work with. We integrate with the binding capabilities, the issuance, the payment, the appetite guide. So one thing that's really unique about us is we have one of the most up-to-date, if not the most up-to-date appetite guide in the market, just because we made sure we do direct API integrations on appetite. And carriers are so engaged with the large enterprises we work with that they are actually pushing their latest appetite towards us. So we have quoting capabilities in states like California, New York, for some of the carriers who've shut it down officially for other agents. Um, on top of all that, it really is a situation where, um, you know, brokers and agents definitely feel like uh, even if they are large. So I'll give you a great example. Uh, we're working with one of the um, larger sized banks in America and they have a book which is in the hundreds of millions of dollars of premium every year. And even that is not large enough for most of the large carriers to justify an integration with them. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's a, that's a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Um, Cause you just, yeah, that, that, that doesn't really make sense. It just, it just, it just means they're not doing it efficiently. Um, and that might be going back to that point about that moat is, is that that's that unique technology platform that you've got. Um, talk to me about, you know, there's products you kind of put quote buying platform and then you put the embedded piece. Um, was that always that these could be the two products parallel? Was it was one before the other? What's the kind of generation to having the kind of two, two separate? Well, not two separate because obviously they're integrated, but the two different products um, pathways. Yeah, so, you know, it was interesting. I mean, we always wanted to build technology that would be used and, you know, really generate value for the carriers from day one. Uh, so whilst I think underlying the CoverForce platform is an, an API or a set of endpoints that really connects to, excuse me, to connects to all the carriers um, in a uniform way, uh, what we've done is we've built a series of um, applications that sit on top of the API as well. So when we went out to market, we very much said, you know, as you, as you imagine in any industry of technology or any product-based industry, often if you design for yourself, you design for what you think the industry needs, you end up with something that's you know, not quite right. So yeah. we, from day one, we just said, we're not gonna write a line of code or do one moment of development without engaging with the customer base. And we engaged with a lot of different agency groups and networks across the country. Uh, fortunately, we had a lot of positive feedback and a lot of people interested in actually providing uh, engagement. Uh, we teamed up with the ISU network as essentially our, one of our first customers uh, because they had a strong sense of what their 2,000 plus commercial lines agents needed. 
Uh, and so we, use, we worked together with them over months, deciding what should be the product, what was out there, why wasn't the existing capability suitable for large enterprise customers, and then building a solution specifically for ISU that was focused on really enabling a greater sense of data, a greater sense of you know where appetite was and what is an increasingly hard market. And the U.S. market is very fragmented, as most people know in the commercial insurance industry, but also enabling an experience that really is best practices uh, that you take from the uh, you know the retail space, you take from the technology industry outside of insurance. Um, so that's kind of you know working with a strong design partner and having a lot of buy-in. Um, a lot of the agencies, both in ISU and outside of ISU, are very engaged in piloting our platform and giving us iterative feedback. And we were always willing to um, engage with that and actually make changes based upon agency feedback. To this day, if agencies make suggestions, we're nimble enough that we can add them to our roadmap even two weeks, three weeks ahead of time uh, or into the future, sorry. And uh, I would say, we think the, the applications also help out because on one, on one situation, as, we're, as we've been integrating with different partners for our API and we've completed some integrations, we can stand behind the resilience of our API as well as the security of our API because not only are the carriers who we've formed partnerships with testing it and providing strong sense of resilience of our API, but we've also ingested our API into our own front-end applications that we provide to ISU and other groups, um, even on behalf of some of the carriers. And what that means is that basically one of the differentiators of a Comforce is, as I said, like we know the technology works. Our customers know the technology works. And especially because we have those two kind of parts of the business, both our customized front-end solutions that are powered by the API, as well as the API itself. You know, we, we come with kind of a multi-pronged approach and we kind of think of it as like, we provide not just a, a one-stop shop um, that is really a one solution, but we provide that, well, we don't provide just one solution, but we provide a, a crawl, walk, run approach to how you want to integrate and interact with insurance carriers. Whether it's a one-to-one, yeah. -one, one-to-many, you can choose to you can choose to be up and running with Coverforce in a couple of days using one of our front-end softwares, or you can be up and running in a couple of weeks with our API, and we make it really easy to do and easy to integrate with. Mm. I was thinking that I love that walk run because particularly when you're doing embedded is 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 that is that particularly important because you're you know it, the problem with embedded a lot of the time and that is a and you're working with like non-insurance distribution partners whether it be banks and they might even have a massive book or be other financial services institutions is education still a large part of the cell about like what's possible you know i think um i think agents brokers don't get enough credit for how technology savvy they are mentally. Mm -hmm. Like I think, I think forever the insurance industry is overlooked in terms of technology innovation because it's assumed there won't be adoption. In reality, yeah. I think there's a lot of craving for the technology. It's just people know what their use case is and they want to make sure that when they partner with a company that they know that company fulfills that use case. Um, I would say, you know, it's, it's interesting. I would say we've had tremendous organic growth. A lot of it is because we have a very strong strategic partners with multiple carriers. Uh, but I would say, you know, never want, not really have I come across many agencies, brokers, um, wholesalers who don't say this, like, this is an aha thing. This is something we've been craving for 10, 15 years and we just didn't know it existed. Uh, so I would say it's not, it's, it's the education piece is more about market awareness than it is about saying, well, now you have to force anyone to do any adoption. I think adoption, it seems quite seamless for us. It's about market awareness of our 
you know, of our platform, of our capabilities. And unfortunately, our insurance partners are doing a great job of helping us with that. Hmm. Do you think that's, um, I, I mean, you're, you're the guy in the notes, I'm certainly not disputing that, but it's interesting how insurance is kind of like almost like self-deprecating about the ability to kind of adapt to technology. And, and then that might be because I think something like 17% of agents in the US are 65 and above or something. And there's this huge, like, someone described the other day as a silver tsunami, um, you know, of all these kind of agents that are kind of potentially leaving the industry. Um, is, do you think that's why? Is, is, is the age profile? or Because or, I think we love to say that we're bad at technology. And I, I increasingly think, I increasingly think it's just like, it's not, it's not true anymore. It was like it was true, but there's been so much noise about it that because the, the point I'm, I'm making is that you know people say, "Oh, insurance carriers have bad tech." It's like the person that knows that is the CTO of that insurance carrier. They're not sitting there going, "I've got the world's best stack." They're just saying, evolving it to the new, the new, you know, cloud-based technology, like you know, off off-prem stuff, like is a massive issue that's going to take years and sometimes longer to kind of make happen so um yeah i don't know i was just trying to if you've got whether it's self-deprecating or it's, it's just not no, true no. i think you're <laughs> right i think you're right but i would say this is as you dig deeper and deeper into the industry you realize there's obviously so much segmentation to say the industry is yeah. where it needs to be in insurance or even where you know even when you talk about the different parts of the value chain and uh really which parts are focused on innovation you, know, you do have to really segment it so you know you take the carriers from one side you know a, a, a company like ours probably wouldn't have been as capable uh of doing such a thing more than 10 years ago because at that time most of the carriers hadn't developed their api suite and even now like a lot of the a lot of the large carriers we uh you know we're fortunate being independent because they trust us enough they know our reputation as having worked with most of the, of the leading insurers in the market that they actually ask us for advice about how to construct their own API endpoints. You know, there are carriers that are still actively develop in development phases and need consulting and need um, assistance. And we're more than happy to provide our view of what a best practice should look like. Um, there is definitely interest. There's definitely yearning to evolve. There's definitely a recognition in the last five years that there's a need to evolve and make yourself more digitally accessible. Because I think it's interesting, um, you know, forever, you know, and I used to, I used to work on different insurance projects for the last 10 years uh, in my various roles previously is, I think there's a, an, a view that the insurance carriers or the insurance brokers are, are read, you know, are not digitally focused. I think, no, in the last five, 10 years, they're very digitally focused. From insurance agent side, like you said, there's increasing number of people that are leave, have been leaving the industry organically uh, because obviously, you know, the profile is getting older and older and it's harder and harder to attract new talent from a distribution standpoint. So that puts pressure on the need for technology, which is why people actually are looking at technology as a way to solve for the fact that there's a reduction in resource uh, supply. From a carrier perspective, there, there was always this viewpoint that insurance was distributed uh, through an agent and offline. But realistically, I think there's become more awareness that embedded doesn't mean without an agent. All embedded means is, yes, you can have your view of embedded, which is your marketplaces for insurance, your, you know, your policy bazaars in India, your direct-to-consumer solutions. Yes, those are, can exist, but there's a lot of exist, uh, solutions that need to exist just for the agent themselves to interact with the carrier. 
or one where they for the agent to interact directly with the consumer to collect the information because the biggest amount of time spent in the in the in the process is actually the transfer of data between those three parties what colorforce is trying to do is say well you know you can try to reduce the reliance on becoming a middleman that middleman issue you are as an agent or broker but you still act as quality assurance. You don't necessarily need to be um, getting in physical accord forms, which is the industry standard in the US and sending them back and forth, back and forth. You should be able to digitize that process, which some great startups have been doing just that, digitizing the accord forms. Where we take it a step further is we say, let's make sure that you have all the questions you need, underwriting questions in order to get a bindable quote from your carriers, but also you can provide those, that, those questions in a dynamic format to the people that really fill it out, whether it's the retail agent, if you're a wholesaler, or if it's the end consumer, if you're an independent agent sitting in the middle. That is where I think innovation is really demanded and really wanted in the industry on both ends. Carriers want to be the focus, and sorry, I hope I'm not going on too long, but um, one of the most interesting things that came out of a recent study, I think it was by the 3i, um, uh, was that 93% of agents, I think it was, I actually don't want to make this, I think it was 93% of agents uh, say that speed of access to a carrier is a top concern of theirs, uh, yeah. or a top concern of theirs. And that kind of underlies something, which in the market, I think there's an assumption that technology, I think a lot of people have this assumption that uh, the reason not to innovate is because it would lead to spreadsheeting by carriers, or it would lead to the fact that all of a sudden they'd be comparable. Whilst what I think carriers have realized in the last five years or so or 10 years is actually um, making yourself digitally accessible doesn't leave you vulnerable to spreadsheeting. What it enables you is to be the first to provide a price. And even if you are the cheapest carrier or the, sorry, the more um, price effective carrier, if you provide a quote after two weeks or one week and another carrier that's even coming across, you know, five or 10% more expensive is providing that quote within a few minutes, the customer wants insurance ASAP. That's typically when they go to an insurance agent is they need insurance ASAP. That agent wants to get that policy for their customer so they don't lose that customer because otherwise the customer will just go to another agent in many cases. So speed is actually like probably the, I would think one of the number one priorities of a carrier and an agent in this market to ensure they can get a, they can, you know, attract the right kind of business. Yeah. And I think that's especially true in, in, and I'm not saying that I'm not pigeonholing cover force into dealing with these solutions, but but for a lot of kind of digital first insurance, you know, I think about myself is is that uh, I'm obviously a consumer and then I'm a business owner, so I buy my business insurance as well. Um, as a consumer, I spend one session on my computer, I use a comparison site, and I'm pretty much going to go with the balance of best best coverage versus cheapest. Um, the only thing I care about best coverage is because I'm an insurance guy, so it's kind of like there's a bit of nuance. A lot of people, it's just cheapest. But with my business cover, it is about finding the best insurance, but there is only a window of time that I'm going to do that in. And that window of time is not long. It's it, I might do that going, right, this week I need to sort my insurance. So you're providing me a quote in two weeks' time. You're not at the races. That that quote needs to be, it doesn't have to be instantaneous, but it needs to be fast. And I think everyone is moving towards that because we have we can't negate the experience that we have in the rest of our lives as consumers. And in consumers, everything is instantaneous. I mean, there's so many people in the world now that won't buy anything online unless it gets delivered tomorrow, um, which is a completely unrealistic expectation, but that's the expectation we have now. Um, and when you're talking about the kind of delivery of, of a quote, 
it needs to be pretty quick um, because that window of kind of time to kind of deliberate has, has got smaller. Um, and I think that cultural kind of shift is just going to continue. So, you know, it, it, it plays into that. Um, just one thing that's been popping. Sorry, sorry. So just one thing that's been popping into my head is I think some, sometimes people have got this, they've tried to be sort of quite buying platforms before, but the pricing model has sometimes got in the way. I, I just wanted to know how does the revenue work? What, what, is it a revenue share? Is it, is, is it a license uh, software agreement or not, not license access agreement? Yeah. Sorry. So, so the way it works with Cover for us is essentially, you know, I, I, I can't say we have a one price fits all model when it comes to our mm -hmm. pricing. Uh, sure. We do tend to gravitate towards um, a SaaS-based fee uh, just because we don't like to get really in the middle of uh, the commission payments or anything like that. We ourselves are not an agency or brokerage, so we don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I the way we, we work is we typically scale with the customer. Um, like any other kind of API provider, uh, obviously, have tech costs in itself that scale as your volume and your API core scale, and, and that's kind of how we typically scale as well. Um, yeah. Which, which sounds sensible. I, I think a lot of the earlier iterations I saw of businesses that were trying to do things like this, for example, were taking percentage of kind of the, the transaction. And don't then I was... In the middle, and, don't get in the middle of an agency. No, exactly. Yeah, do not get in the middle. No, no, no. And, and what was, what's interesting for me is that because my role is, you know, we're a search firm and, and we're, we're very broadly across the industry and our role is to talk to product people and engineering people and, and insurance, you know, folk of many different you know, shapes and sizes, we, I was having these conversations with these entrepreneurs building these businesses. And then I was talking to businesses that would use them going, oh, I don't want to pay a percentage of revenue. Like, yeah. you know, because, because it wasn't, it wasn't predictable because if, you know, you're selling a bigger policy, then it becomes a bigger number. It starts, to, it's messy. Um, and I think the clarity around that, which is why I asked the question, because I think you, clearly you're approaching the right model. Yeah. Um, I mean, candidly, it's a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the past couple of years has been just really listening to agents, listening to brokers, listening to, um, you know, banks or other uh, distribution channels and just seeing, you know, what do they prefer? And you'd be surprised, you know, we come across now and again, customers who, you know, one of the largest groups in America came up to us the other day and we, we thought, oh, they would never be interested in a model where it's, uh, they actually proposed a, a form of um, scalability that kind of aligned to a percentage, which I was kind of taken back by that. I, I would have thought that would be something they would have never wanted. Uh, but I think, you know, at this, I, I really recognize, I think at some level, you know, there's a there's a need to hear your customer and respond to their um, pricing uh, needs. And I think that's kind of what we try to do is, you know, we, we do tend to have a sense of where people, what, what you know, the structure, which what people want to pay, but now and again, someone surprises us. And our view is, you know, we know we bring a lot of value to the table. Uh, our view is just trying to extricate you know, a little less value than what we give, just to make yes. sure the customer feels a little bit happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's I, think was, I would definitely say that, um, you know, off one of your earlier points, I think people are um, eager for digital innovation or at least the digitization of data transfer in the industry. You know, they do crave a market standard because they don't want to, engineering resources are still scarce um, during COVID and post-COVID. They're, they're still a scarce thing to employ. And even best the best quality kind of engineers are still hard to find sometimes. And so if you can alleviate that burden, both for the carrier and for the agent, there's a strong value to that. Um, and I think that's just what we're trying to solve for is you know, really making it a lot more accessible, making it easier, bringing that unified standard and ultimately, you know, becoming 
the Plaid, for instance, the Armadeus, the Galileo for your insurance. So, you know, we want to be that one-stop shop. But I think it, the benefit of that is it helps us promote different things. Like, you know, carriers, uh, one of the interesting things we've learned out from our partnerships as we've gone and looked back over the last couple of years is carriers have, were worried, really worried that what we would do would cannibalize some of their existing uh, channels. And what they found is actually it's just led to a net increase in the premiums they're getting from existing uh, existing partners. So, you know, take in the case of one of the leading carriers, Amtrust, we partnered with, uh, they were partnered with us to deploy their platform with one of the late, um, leading uh, wholesalers in the market. And they just deployed out of one location. And in the first three months, with one location and one location going, going out to one retail agent, uh, they saw a business increase within three months by six figures per month. Which is phenomenal. Like they were, you know, they probably they, they love that. And as a carrier, and as a, as a as a wholesaler, thank you. Yeah, incredible. Scale is, it's, scale is unexpected. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the ability to scale, and 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 it's 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 frictionless scale. You know, that's the idea, isn't it? It's frictionless scale is what we're looking for. Um, I'm conscious of the time, and 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 you know. Uh, well, firstly, I'd be, be, I need to do a shameless plug. And you said engineering is really hard to hire. And that's why you need to talk to Gavin Savage, um, <laughs> our head of tech and engineering. But, you know, he, he in fact, he could do a whole podcast on how difficult it is actually to hire engineers. And um, But, yeah, no, it, it is always the kind of burden of responsibility. Now, I think I know this is a sort of slightly uh, parallel point, but I think your independence is important because, you know, we are in the world of talent. We are a search firm. And attracting talent into the insurance industry from outside the insurance industry is challenging. Getting a talented engineer to join a, an, an insure tech that is more of a tech platform is more exciting for a lot of engineers than saying, do you want to come and work for a capacity provider or a you know, risk-bearing entity or an insurance company? That is an advantage. I, I think you would. I think you would struggle sometimes to get the quality of engineers into a traditional carrier, traditional broker, even if they were doing something exciting. Now, there will be lots of people throwing things at their screen or um, throwing their iPods across the room. But I, I, I do think that's a. I think that's a reality, and I think your independence from that is allows you to say yes. We're we're, we're targeting the insurance space, but we're doing some really cool stuff. And and we're you know we're a high growth software company or you know you can position it in that way, and that is important because in in my industry positioning and and the sell that is everything. Um, I, I can't agree with you more. I think you know I I definitely say the number one, the number one thing that makes Coverforce unique is our independence. Um, you know, like you touched on before, we have great investors like NICA Partners and QED, who are their VCs that have a reputation for backing some of the leading infrastructure companies in fintech, um, specifically. And um, companies like even uh, you know they back companies like Revolut uh, or Ascend. And mm -hmm. what you'll find is that I think that independence has a strong value proposition in the market for uh, groups groups who are essentially obviously reticent to partner with a competitor. They wouldn't want to do that. Increasingly, you know, agents are very protective about their books, about their customer base, because that is really their bread and butter, and it's a strong reoccurring revenue source. So, you know, I think knowing that they can trust us is, is I mean, trust us both from a business uh, model perspective, but also from a technology perspective, is such a value. I mean, I would say one of the interesting things that's appeared in the last, you know, even six months is 
we found we found in multiple cases right now where people are weaning off what are um, seeming competitors to us uh, to come over to cover for us and actually migrate across their um, capabilities. Just because I think providing not just independence, but also providing something that works um, is resilient, does a deeper integration. Um, so we power even right now, one of the leading uh, agency management softwares, uh, enabling the over 1,500 agencies across the nation overnight to get access to carriers digitally. Um, that ability to, to have an API that plays with both with AMS systems, as well as it does with networks, as well as it does with banks, is is something which we're, we're very proud of. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and, as we should. Um, it's a really fascinating area of the industry, and, and I, I think, you know, the infrastructure side of it is fascinating, and, and particularly we're putting my investor head on as like, you know, controlling the plumbing is always the thing that everyone wants to do, and, and you know, being that independent, uniform kind of solution to kind of the connectivity of the insurance market is a, is a, is a huge challenge, and, and one I'm glad that you're out there trying to solve. So, um, Cyrus, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I particularly appreciate you doing it because I know how jet-lagged you probably are as well from all your travels. So, um, it was very kind of you to share some time with me. So thanks very much for being a guest on the on the podcast. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate you for having me. And yeah, I, I look forward to talking again. <laughs>